Find you found your ticket out. Hey guys, this is Cass from Culturally Rock, your special edition Culture Dig Game of Thrones podcast featuring Buchacha. And Jeff, I was worried it was going to be a uh, cast from Carterly Rock. Uh, uh, oh, I see what you did there. Aren't you precious? Welcome back, Carter. Uh, but that's welcome, welcome back, <laughs> Cotter. Man, get Cotter, your 70s sorry, pop Carter, culture Cotter. shit correct. I never watched watched it it either, but I remember seeing reruns once or twice on, like, Nick and Knight when I was really young. Whatever. Whatever, dude. Yeah, but you and every... You and everyone listening should have figured out by now that I am terrible with names. Um... No, you're not. (laughs) All right, you are. Fuck. Shit. I am. All right. Anyway. Okay. Uh, So, we we left off on our, our last show... Talking about where our characters are, we went through some Daenerys and where she's going with the Dothraki and what her destiny, des, destiny, hanging around in Tennessee or something. Destiny. Uh, we we <laughs> we checked in with uh, Marine and uh, Tyrion, Varys, Missande, and Grey Worm. We talked about Arya over there in Bravos. We talked about what's going on up the Weirwood Tree, north of the Wall, with Bran and Hodor and uh, Mira and the Three-Eyed Raven and whatever. Uh, and then we we the where we concluded the last show was talking about what's in store for Sansa and Brienne, Pod, and Theon. Uh, so that. Taking that as a cue, Theon that is, let's go ahead and pick up the rest of our conversation talking about what's going, what's, what be happening in the Iron Isles. Uh, for those of you who are book readers who read uh, Feast of Crow, Feast for, uh, shit, Feast for Crows, <laughs> apparently your non-naminess is rubbing off, Feast for Crows, <laughs> that storyline was very uh, Iron Isles- Thick. There's a lot going on with some of the the characters. Are the island? Yeah, Pir- pirate island. There. Um, we we have the death of Balon Greyjoy, Theon's father, uh, which ha- actually got you know it actually happened. Episode two, right? Except there was no mention in the books of him being tossed over. No, like, no. It was supposed to be like part of the spell from the three leeches. Oh, see, I, I always thought it was more inferred, like you didn't know exactly what happened to him, but everybody knows that Euron did it. Melisandre, remember, she took the blood from that uh, one of uh, Baratheon's bastards. Oh, Gendry, right. And, you know, to three leeches and then put them on the fire and, you know, say three names. And, and one oh. of them was Greyjoy, wasn't it? Man, I, Melisandre has been... She hasn't been a charlatan up until recently, but she's been mostly a char. Like she's been a snake oil salesman, and and uh, you know, of course, a couple episodes ago, she kind of lucked out and did some stuff. I, mean, I guess you got the shadow baby, but 
I, I refuse to give Melisandre credit for that. But if I remember correctly, in the in the book, uh, Melisandre and um, Stannis gave her credit for the three deaths. Well, we all know how delusional Stannis was. Come on now. <laughs> or I should say Stannis is because he's still in the land of the living currently in the books. Jeffrey, let's talk about some uh, Iron Isles here. And we have the death of Balon after having talked to Yara. Of course, in the book, she's at Asha. I keep calling her Asha. Um, Yara in the, yeah. in the show. Then he, he comes out on that bridge. And that was weird. I'm like, who fucking crosses a rickety-ass bridge in the middle of a thunderstorm. I'm like, just stay next to the fire, chill the fuck out. Why are you trying to cross there? He meets his brother, younger brother, Euron there. They have uh, an interesting exchange. I actually like the dialogue Which is there. quite an unfortunate name. Y- y- Euron, Euron, Euron Greyjoy. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too obvious, Jeffrey. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna point it out, but thank you for for doing so. You you are Grand Grandmaster Pycelle's fart. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. That was hilarious. We'll, we'll get that to that hilarious. in a minute. I know, I know. Uh, the the third episode, Oathbreaker, definitely did have some of the uh, puerile entertainment, but we'll discuss that in a moment. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Euron kills Balon, and then you have like flash flash forward there. You have Yara on the beach talking to whom, I, whom I'm assuming to be Aaron Damper, who is Balon's oh, yeah. middle brother, uh, yeah. Euron being the youngest. So she's talking to Aaron Damper, and he's like, yeah, we're going to hold the King's Mot, Moot. King's Mot, fuck. King's Moot, and yeah, we're going to choose a new king. And she's like, hey, but my dad would want me to rule. He's like, fuck you. You're not ruling shit. We choose this. I want him to hold an entmoot. Uh, <laughs> um, Jeffrey, I, I, I don't know if you've looked at the Iron Isles, but they don't really seem they don't really seem to have very large trees there. So I don't think an entmoot is going to happen. Well, maybe the tr- maybe maybe they're going to be pissed at cutting down all the trees, and they're going to throw rocks at them, um, tear their tower down. I. I think we're 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 venturing into territory that's uh, not germ related. Speaking of germ, um, sorry, sorry. J- George R R Martin versus J R R Tolkien uh, epic rap battle just dropped a, f- a few days ago. Have you watched it? <laughs> no, uh, it's one of the better ones for sure. You have to you have to Google me it or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you the YouTube link. Um, very very entertaining, and of course, if anybody is a fan of George R.R. R. Martin. You should know that he was very much influenced by the writings of Tolkien. And so an epic rap battle between the two of them is, you know, since the the emergence of the epic rap battle uh, as a and cultural force. And if any force. of you want to see it, yeah, if any of you want to see it after he, after Bukaka, Buchacha sends it to me, I'll put it up. Just, just don't call me Bukaki. <laughs> I almost did. I noticed. <laughs> I will put it up on the kinky tauntaun.tumblr.com. Okay, okay. Awesome. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> Bukaki aside and epic rap battles aside, <laughs> man, that's a conversation I just don't want to have again, like in a while. I, I, I don't. 
<laughs> I think bukkake is probably one of those those conversations you should probably only have maybe once every every decade, two, three tops. <laughs> but here we are again, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't you interrupt my sigh. <sighs> All right, moving on. That was a totally unintended joke. Oh, I, I got you. I got you. All right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's go ahead and try to prognosticate the future of the Iron Isle characters uh, before any more non-relevant conversation comes to fore. What do you think, Jeffrey? Who's going to wing the king's moot? Well, didn't was it Euron that won it, won it in the books? I won it. He did. All right, and, uh, and then and then we're 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 led to believe that he set sail for Marine to steal some dragons, right? I thought that was his other brother. Shit, what's his name? But they they they've, they've <laughs> completely written that part out of the show. That brother doesn't exist in the show. Uh, so they're they're combining those two into one. Story I think so. I think. I think so. Okay. Well, then yeah, he's gonna go with his dragon horn and. Go try to horny, um, you know, uh, Daenerys. We're not talking about Dragon Bukaki, are we? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that would get messy. Uh, I, yeah, I want no part of that. Anyway, um, <laughs> you son of a bitch, Jeff. You're a son of a bitch. What if fire, what if fire comes no, out of that, No, we're not going there, Jeff. We're not going there. <laughs> this okay. this is a family show. <laughs> 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 okay, it's not. It's not. Sorry, sorry. We we can at least try to keep keep the pretense for like a second. Jeez, you don't have to laugh right away like I did. God. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Oh my god. What a what a what a day. <laughs> so here's the thing. We know that uh Daenerys needs a fleet of ships. Could it be possible that Daenerys coerces the uh, the the Iron Men? to come to her side and she can sail across the sea to Westeros. Is that is that on the table, you think? Well, they have wanted they've always wanted to do like nothing else but fuck up the rest of people in Westeros. Yeah, she seems a little so too organized they might for be them. into it. Like they're they're just they're they're anarchists. Uh you know, they're they're yeah. working for anonymous and they just want to fuck shit up whereas Daenerys is like she she's Bernie Sanders, man. She just wants to to help the people. Yeah, and like some some but she might ha- she might have to you know thanks for the ride now I'm going to burn you with my dragons uh, that that could be yeah so anyway that's one of the ideas I've actually heard that Daenerys is going to use their ships to uh, ride it back across I think if she does use their ships they will come minus the Iron Men as in she's going to take care of them she's going to leave them in Marine I think she's going to I think they're not long for this world ah. Would that include uh, Euron, Asha, uh, Yara, Yara? Yara. Uh, I would, yeah. I would wager I that Yara, that, Yara won't even go. Yara, Yara will stay with Theon, and of course, we got a little bit of that in the preview for the next episode. Uh, but the Book of the Stranger, in which Yara and Theon are having this conversation, he's, and she's like, "Oh, you should have come. You never did." And he's like, "Yeah, I was a dumbass." and uh, I think they're going to have sort of a, men- a mending of their relationship. Uh, the question is, is Theon a legitimate contender for the King's Moot? Not unless he bucks up. Uh, yeah, I think he's a... Cowboy, cowboys. The yeah, they, I think just yesterday they released um, 
the episodes for like seven, like six and seven or seven and eight. And one of the episodes is called the broken man. So, uh, part of me thinks that might, cause you know how D and D love to title these things with double, triple, quadruple entendres and all, all that sort of it could stuff. Be, it could be them. It could be them. It could be them. It could be Yeah, them. right. Like which, which right. is what Oathbreaker was like. Was it Ned? Was it small John? Was, was it John himself? I mean, like, yeah. So the broken man. Let's, well, let's see. Broken man could, could relate to Theon. Right. Could relate to, uh, Bran. True. Uh, who else? John. Oh yeah, yeah. So th- there's definitely so some of three there. some of that. Uh, Jorah. 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 That's true because uh, the grayscales come coming at him. Yeah. Uh, very true. And he's broken in other ways. That yeah, I got you. Me- mental ways. Uh, hopefully not Tyrion because he's it's time for him to kick some ass, take some names. Hodor. Uh, Hodor. Hodor, definitely a broken man in some respects. Okay, well, all right. So, uh, Iron Isles, man. Theon, maybe Kingsmoot. I, I don't think so. I think he's going to be written off. He's going he's gonna to be a persona non grata uh, there. And I think it's sort of going to set him on. I think it's going to set both he and Yara on a different path. What do you think? You don't think they're going to go all DNC? No, I, 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 try to make I think Yara. that... Euron is trying to make Yara. <laughs> I, no, no. I think Euron is too dangerous. If he if he's elected king, I think it's dangerous for Yara and Theon to stay. Oh yeah, probably, probably. And I like I could see him like coming back and and doing something with you know trying to find Sansa and then of course John and sort of joining joining the fold in that respect as well and maybe taking some of the iron, the you know the Ironmen with him. Uh, I doubt that, but I I don't see them staying. I don't see Yara and Theon staying there if Yaron Yaron is elected. And does HBO think its viewers are so dumb they're going to confuse Asha with Osha? Osha is the Occupational Self Safety and Health Administration or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> I I mean I can't I it... can't hear Osha or read Osha with without thinking about that. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is the Occupational Health and Safety and Health Administration doing in this book? Oh, taking care of Rickon, <laughs> giving him some band aids, teaching him about chemical spills, whatever. Okay. Speaking of sprouting, that boy sprouting. Yeah. Oh, hey, we're not there yet. You you save Sorry. your commentary for the the appropriate moment. Okay. Moving on. Oh, I see it. Um, I see is there it. anything else we'll say about Iron Isles before we go to King's Landing? Um, it'll probably be. Similar to what happens in the book, but like you said, they've merged the two characters, okay. the two brothers, into one. Gotcha. All right, moving on. It's time to go to King's Landing, Jeffrey. There's a whole lot of shit going on there. Where where we picked up the season, yeah. Cersei, had, at the end of season five, had done her, her so-called walk of shame uh, after the High Sparrow and his fucking religious nutbag zealots uh, basically crippled the city. Uh, in any sort of government that it has, and thereby crippling the government around the rest of the fucking continent. Thank you, High Sparrow. You're awesome. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag you're a nutbag. <laughs> we just have a problem in general with religious leaders. Uh, no, no, no. And that's the <laughs> thing. Like, I wanted to like the High Sparrow. I did. 
but he, he's an interesting character. Yeah, for sure. and like I, I want to, like I want him, I want to compare him to Pope Francis in, in some ways. And besides, physically, they look remarkably similar. But like, oh, yeah, he wanted to be a force for good. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I have a lot of respect for the current Pope on on a lot of issues, most of them actually. And I think he's, he's probably the best pope we've ever had. Yeah, and, and you know, as far as you know, the direction that that's going, I, I wanted to believe that he he wasn't an analog for Pope Francis. But when he sat down with Tommen and his little sept, that's when I knew he is a manipulative, conniving fuckface. Oh, I figured that out when he had his talk with Cersei. Uh, well, that too. Everybody, want, I mean, okay, I I gave him a pass because Cersei's a cunt. Okay, <laughs> like you you gotta play Cersei, right? Like you got to play her a certain way for her to respond the way you need to. The only she only knows manipulation. You know what I mean? So like, I kind of gave him a pass yeah, for yeah. that. And then like, I kind of got a little bit more of a clue in episode two when Jamie is in. Baylor Sept, you know, over exactly. Marcella's body. And, like, this dude is manipulating on all cylinders because he took down Cersei using her pride, okay? Like, that was her thing, and he brought her to her knees. And then having him surrounded in Baylor Sept with like all these, you know, religious zealots who are, are ready to attack, Jamie, he could kill a high sparrow, but he's not gonna do shit against all those guys because he's not he basically, he's not the same fighter. So he's 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 showing he Jamie the same sort of power he has over him that he was showing Cersei. And then of course when he sits down with Tommen, who's just this weak minded little pussy. <laughs> well, with Jamie in the sept, he was kind of doing the whole thing, you want this don't you <laughs> take up your weapon uh, strike me down with all your hatred wow and your journey from pope francis side, to palpatine uh no i like i actually uh, i i don't want to compare him to palpatine because the prequels kind of made him lame but uh <laughs> i guess in some respects yeah he, he's he's conniving and he's manipulative and what makes it worse is like i think he's perpetrating his manipulations based on his blind faith and that's what makes him like almost like i i'm i'm getting the impression like i'm starting to feel just as fearful of the high sparrow and what he's capable of as i am the white walkers well i was thinking with the whole jamie thing like i bet he knows how to fight and is lying oh yeah you can just kill me no you know i know oh yeah, because you you don't know his backstory. Yeah. He he could have been a badass, and he he might be able to hold his own against a one a, you know one handed dude who can barely fight. He with might his have left been a hedge knight. Um, very very true, very true. So uh, there is that, and of course, I am not saying that the uh, high sparrow is as scary as the White Walkers, but man, what do you do? I mean, like they're very they're almost the same same coin, man, just different sides. Uh, you know, when these blind adherence to, to faith and religious zealotry uh, very much mirrors our, our current times with, uh, you know, fundamentalist terrorism and things like that. Um, yeah, I think that they're, they're drawing that parallel on purpose and showing us this, you know, Westerosi version of it. 
and it's it's frightening. Like I, if you've got that, you've got the White Walkers coming from the north, and you've got this blind religious zealotry coming from the south. Like what what's going to happen? Do you man? actually think he's blindly religious, or do you think he's like a lot of people? He's using the religion for power. No, I, that's that's the thing. I don't think he's Palpatine, where he wants personal power, personal ambition. I think the High Sparrow wants everybody to come to Jesus. The seven-pointed or Jesus. The seven, not Jesus. <laughs> the seven-pointed Jesus, which, of course, is, is absolutely terrifying to to me as well. Tommen, um, a, bit of, a bit of a pussy here, Gullible. guy. Gullible what do you think? Hell. We, I think he's weak-minded. Um, seems like a sweet kid, yes. uh, but he he's evil, easily manipulated. You know, Cersei doing his thing, her thing, and Marjorie doing her thing, and now the High Sparrow doing his well, thing. What happens to nice people in Game of Thrones? They they end up getting getting by the farm, yeah. man. Like just straight up, they're he's gonna he I, like I said he, he's destined according to the prophecy that Maggie the Frog told Cersei. He's he's gonna yeah. die, and I it, it just seems like it's coming more sooner than later. And I actually read an interesting theory online as well recently that uh, Tommen, you know, because he's constantly being controlled by other people, it's gonna pit him against Cersei. And what we've seen of of Zombie Mountain so far is that he has this blind zombie loyalty to Cersei to protect her, and even like verbal harm what we saw with the guy smashing that he smashed the dude's head against the wall which was a sadly hilarious part because he kept pissing on the dude's yeah. boots as he was getting his head smashed <laughs> whatever but like i can i can see tommen and it, like this is not my idea but I, I i really i really dig it it's one of the theories i've read that i actually i i can buy into tommen and cersei are going to have you know have a falling out and it's going to be tommen insulting cersei and Zombie Gregor Clegane is going to smash Tommen's head against the wall. Interesting, interesting. You know, the whole crown of gold thing. He's already wearing a crown of gold. But that was about the just hair. Imagine that. that was about no, the hair, I think. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I basically so. saw the prophecy as, as none of them will live old enough to go gray. True, true. Anyway, so uh, Tommen taken out by Zombie Mountain, perhaps. Although what they're setting up in the short term, according to the story, is the trial by combat with uh, Zombie mm-hmm. Mountain versus somebody from the uh, Faith Somebody who's going to get his ass handed to him. <laughs> that brings up another theory, Jeffrey. Have you heard of the Game Bowl? Oh, gonna, oh that the... Uh, yeah, that it's going to be brother against brother. You know, the, the mountain right, versus that, the Right, that the hound, in fact, hound. did not die. He was found by a religious order of you know silent monks or whatever it was took a vow of silence yada yada and that the person who's going to be fighting for the faith is in fact going to be the hound what do you think about that um i guess it could happen but the hound going all holy holy i mean that's that's a tough one to swallow (laughs) hey yeah I, I agree, and like Lance Lancel, the uh, page who poisoned the king, who used to sleep with Cersei, yada yada, who's now a member of the Faith Militant, um, like he's a viable option to fight 
in Wasn't this, he fair, fairly skilled I guess? in the tournaments? I think so. Yeah, I think that's 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 accurate. But uh, I don't, I don't know. I actually don't know. I don't know what to make of this. Although I would I I, I dig the Hound's character. Oh, yeah. Kind I kind of like I want to see him again. Uh, I just don't know if it's, I want to see him again in this capacity as being you know like I said one of these religious people. And you know he might not be in it to be religious, but just to finally take care of his brother even if he is a zombie i think is appealing as well maybe anyway, he'll uh, do the whole you know setting his his sword on fire thing to show that he's not afraid of fire anymore and you burn me you fucker and i'm gonna burn you Ooh, yeah maybe <laughs> god maybe maybe i don't know anything else we want to say about our uh king's landing group well <laughs> You have in your in your notes, you know, why has Kevin Lannister done nothing to teach Tommen? Oh, that's right. We forgot about we forgot about the small council scene in episode three, uh, where Kevin Lannister, like Grand Maester Pycelle, Pycelle, is just sitting around bitching about Zombie Mountain and what a travesty he is <laughs> when he walks in, and then he, then he farts. Uh, but it, like it definitely seems like they're not concerned with doing much of anything for the good of King's Landing, let alone the West of Westeros. Well, after that scene, it, <clears throat> if I were Grand Maester Pycelle, on the way out of the small council meeting, I would have said to the mountain, <clears throat> Pardon, Sir Gregor, not if you're still in there. I'm, I can't do a Pycelle, apparently. If you are still truly yourself, <laughs> I apologize and rescind my earlier statements. I worried only uh, uh, I worried only that they may have stolen your mind from you. A state which no one should need endure. Uh apology accepted, Captain Nita. <laughs> Maybe. So he still Maybe. still strangles him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I the whole part it was it was definitely like it was a foreshadowing about when he talks about well maybe she'll just have murder us all I'm like oh shit that's a likely scenario maybe <laughs> how maybe. much do you not like Grand Maester Grand Maester Pison? I actually like him I think he's hilarious well, yeah he's hilarious uh, but he's, he's he's not as smart as he thinks he is I well that no I think he is I just think he he's an opportunist he's an opportunist. He's only out to serve himself. Pycelle is only... He's only in it as far as he can see. I, I guess it goes with what you're saying, where he, he's not very smart. I I think he's intelligent enough, because, you know, you have that earlier season where he's basically admitted... You know, it shows him crippled. being a spry yeah, old yeah. guy. Right. Well, no, I think he's smart. I don't think he's as smart as he thinks he is, though. Yeah, that, that could very well be the case. That could very well be the case. And I think the... But that... Yeah, I think I think you might you, you might be onto it. Yeah, I th- I think that he might just not be as 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 into his plans as he uh And the little fart the li- the little fart was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, old people have loose sphincters, okay? <laughs> Those things just squeak uh, out. You just defended our old listeners. Uh no, it's true. I mean, dude, I remember like sitting <laughs> like I was in New York just sitting on a bench one day and I'm just like chilling with a friend of mine, yada yada. This old lady just kind of walks past us, and you know, I'm like, "What the fuck? That old lady just farted like that!" And she turned around. Like, if I were her, I wouldn't have even turned around. But like, when she turned to look, she looked mortified. Like it just snuck out. Like her her ass cheeks betrayed her. And it's funny because the friend that I was with, he's like, "Oh yeah, old people have these sphincters." Like he knew, like he knew. 
And, you know, it stands to reason. The older you get, the, you know, they're, they're not exactly exercises you get for your sphincters, right? <laughs> Who was it in the book that was always farting or or belching or, or was it? I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe it was just coughing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, oh, we haven't really talked about Kyburn at all. What do you what do you think about Kyburn um, and his little and taking over his his little birds, he, Varys's little birds? He seems pretty on the ball. He seems pretty smart. Yeah, he does. I, you know, it's very obvious he's he's an intelligent dude. I mean, shit, he brings the you know zombie mountain back to life or Franken Mountain. He's as a little it were. creepy. He's a little creepy. There's part. a scene in one of the you know the preseason previews where it looks like the little birds are like stabbing someone and it looks to be like it's in that room. Huh. Uh, did you catch that? I'm going to have to go back and look no, at I it. Didn't. But I was like, is he going to get killed by little maybe. children? Cause that's bizarre and disturbing. Maybe they got in contact. Maybe Varys got in contact with them or has been in contact with them the whole time. Oh, yes, that's it. Varys has been in contact with them the whole time. I, dig that idea and i hope you're right i mean little kids i'm not sure how much you can try i mean they're little kids i'm not sure how much you can trust them to like be you know to sort of conceal a plot like that but if they're able to then damn it i really like that idea well they're his little birds they're already his spies so and he i mean he obviously knows how to work them so and i I hope there's a lot more going on or let me rephrase that i hope there's not anything else going on besides sugared plums i hope there i hope it's more sugar plums and less juggle plums <laughs> oh. so you think kai burns a, a kitty toucher no 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 i think the infra like i i don't want to believe that varus is how about that oh i don't think so uh, if they want to say that Kyburn is then you you go right ahead a creepy like, motherfucker. Var- like i like varus Kyburn's already a creepy motherfucker so i like varus yeah and like i i love the the moral complexity of Varys, uh, he he's one of the. But besides Littlefinger, I think they're both these just like really rich characters that we've only sort of seen the tip of the iceberg. We haven't seen Littlefinger thus far, except for you know in this preview for the next episode where he's talking to Robin, Aaron, and somebody else, I guess, in the Vale. But you know, Littlefinger and Varys, they're sort of the same kind of character, and. I like them both. I think they have a lot to offer the drama of the show. And I'm just hoping that we're able to cash in on that before things. I, get too I loved, I loved Varys's little speech about torture. You know, it's like, yeah, some, it's like, yeah, yeah some people deserve torture. And he, and then after that, yeah. so basically anyone on to say, but it doesn't work to get you answers. So basically saying some people deserve torture because they deserve to be tortured. That's it. Like the guy who, yeah. like the guy yeah. who gelded him, you know, he had him in a box. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he tortured that guy. <laughs> Didn't ask him any questions though. You know, the the showdown between the faith militant and everybody. Will Tom and De- will Tom and die? Uh, what kind of chaos would that throw Westeros in? And I wondered, what if it leads to Marjorie's death? That would unite the Lannisters Ooh. and the Tyrells. Tyrells. And have a second war on the against the faith militant. I think they're already kind of going to do that anyway, uh, whether or not it's a Cersei's behest. Because there's that scene from the preview where Olena's like, 
she's going to get up in front of everybody and confess. We can't allow that to happen. I think that's the impetus for them to all get together, at least for the time being. And if Marjorie died, would Tom and commit suicide Ooh, that's interesting that's interesting um maybe i don't i don't know like i don't think it's going to shake out like that i think i mean it's hard to tell it's hard to tell with that with that particular point i think marjorie she she's sort of becoming a black widow where everybody she's getting with is is dying yeah um well well i don't know we'll, we'll see okay we'll see I'm, I'm not prepared to answer that one okay <laughs> anyway moving on the sam and gilly uh, hey, we've only seen a few minutes of them so far this season where they're on the ship going to Old Town uh, and we get this exchange like, hey, by the way, I'm not, taking you to, I'm not taking your skank ass to Old Town. I'm taking you to see my family and hang out there while you'll be safe, even though my father's a dick. My mom and my sister are cool. Yeah, it's like, if I take you to Old Town, you'll end up being a prostitute. That's not good. <laughs> so like, at least at Horn Hill, uh, little Sam and... Gilly will be saved. So apparently we're uh, going to get the conflict reunion between Sam and his father, most likely. Yeah, that's true. But it also sort of tells us that Gilly and Sam are going to be disappearing from the show, I think. Oh, really? I mean, they're, they're, we're not, we're not going to be checking in at Horn Hill with little Sam and Gilly. They have nothing to offer the greater narrative. True, true. And But later. Maybe. And, and, you know, Sam is going to go do his own little training montage up at the Citadel in, in Old Town. So it just, you know, I I don't want to think that they're writing the character. They're they're, they're casting them aside for the time being. Much as they... Uh, we're definitely... Much as they did with Bran and, uh, and Osha yeah, and Rickon. Right. And, and yeah, like I think we might see them later on and I, I think they're kind of... They're, they're going to be sitting on the sidelines for a little while uh, while Sam does his Citadel training. Which apparently is supposed to take many years, but whatever. He's a smart guy. We'll see what he can he can do. It was weird seeing that scene after reading the book. What Quite mean? different. You know, Gilly's like smiling and all happy. Uh, uh, no, she was not happy. Well, that's, well, and no, because in the book she lost her baby, man. Yeah. So she's not. Yeah. It was. It, Whereas this this is completely different. Yeah, John switched out Mance's baby with her baby, so Melisandre wouldn't bleed Mance's baby right. <laughs> for spells. Right. Babies. So, I, I, is there anything we? Can, I, I think that's our prediction. Sam and Gilly are going to be on the sidelines for a little while. Yeah, probably until the climax towards, of the series. Towards the end. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Uh, we're, we're getting to the nitty gritty here, guy. Ramsey Winterfell. We have Roose getting robbed. <laughs> I thought you didn't like puns. Uh, I don't, I don't, but I couldn't help myself. If anybody paid attention, Roos Bolton was murdered by Ramsey in almost the exact same way, camera angles and all, uh, that, that Roos killed Rob Stark at the Red Wedding. Yes, exactly. So when I say he got robbed, that's what I'm referring to. <laughs> uh, I'm a little surprised. Like, actually, if you, if, if you recall, I predicted that Roos and Fat Walda would be killed. Oh, yeah. I just didn't think that it would happen quite so soon. Uh, like I said, I thought they would be the ones who would be flayed and burning on the, the crosses in that one part of the preview. However, um, no, uh, it probably isn't. Bruce and Fat Walda getting 
burned and flayed on those crosses. And we're, we've been told that the people on those crosses are going to be familiar characters. So we can talk about that right Ooh. now. Because what has been set up, Car uh, Stark, if you remember back in the earlier season, Rob Stark beheaded uh, the elder Car Stark for basically backsassing him and refusing to fight. Yeah. And this is the guy who said, you're no king of mine. And then Rob hacks his head off. And then we have the younger Car Stark who's hanging out with Ramsey when he kills Roos, who seems to be very much a sycophant yes. of Ramsey now Bolton. Um, and then we have the, uh, you know, you had the murder of fat Walda and his little brother, well, speaking which of, was pretty speaking atrocious. Of that, speaking of that, there's an interesting thing that's been happening online more. Go. They got more shit about killing shaggy dog than they did about a baby getting eaten by dogs. I, I don't know. No, see, I, I actually read, I've read a lot of shit about, I've read a lot of the shit, coming down about the the murder of the baby and how they they broke the last rule of television is you never show a child being murdered well, they on didn't show it. or whatever. They didn't show it. No, but you heard it and that was apparently what was the camel's back that broke or whatever for a lot of people. No, I've heard a lot of a lot of people saying something bad about yeah, it. Yeah, and a lot like, of well, those same people were I'm done. It's disturbing. I'm not watching anymore when uh yeah, they burned the girl those fucking people. They burned the girl. <sighs> We we are politically uh, liberal individuals, but some of that shit is just going too far, and people need to get the fuck over themselves and realize that uh, while we don't want to see or hear it, I didn't want to hear it, but it is what it is, and I know full well that it's fiction. It's a period and, piece, you know, even if it is fantasy. It's a period piece, and in that in that yeah, there's a there's yeah. a famous story from uh, you know, Scottish history about this uh, this one noble baby being smuggled away from the people who killed the father and, and mother. And they find him, and they grab his ass, they grab the baby by the ankles, and they smash his head up against the wall. Yeah, that, that actually is in Roman history as well. Uh, when Caligula was assassinated by the Praetorian Guard, um, they took his wife, they killed his wife, and they smashed his, his little girl's head against the wall. So, um, yeah, that's history, guys. Yeah, except for um, a few places on Earth... Uh, Except for a few places on Earth, we live in the safest, nicest time in history. Uh, yeah, and yet we're not happy. Interesting <laughs> how that works. So Small John presented the apparently six foot eight Rick and Stark <laughs> to Ramsey Bolton. That I mean, shit, did that kid grow up or what? Yeah, God, he sprouted I, like I, a motherfucker. The, the actor's name is Art Parkinson. Uh, and for those of you who are, are Game of Thrones truthers out there, and I was one of those people as well until I read this, I'm like, oh, fuck. But then again, I'm not too sure how, how much I believe it. Uh, our Parkinson says that, yes, that is, in fact, supposed to be Shaggy Dog's head that he throws. Well, it'd be a little hard to, to fake a direwolf's head. Well, I, I don't necessarily think it would be, actually. I think, you know, they live in the far north. Direwolves are around. Uh, they could have trapped one and shit. For all we know, that direwolf's head could have been a, a taxidermy thing on on the wall, in in their castle. You know what I mean? I didn't realize that direwolves were still that common south of the wall. Say what? I didn't realize that direwolves were still that common south of the wall. 
Well, they don't necessarily have to be. And if, you you know, it's been quite a bit of time since the Boltons took over Winterfell. Maybe they were just biding their time until they found, a, you know, a direwolf so they could sort of complete their ruse. But, I mean, of course, the other option is that maybe Shaggy Dog was sacrificed. Rickon looked livid. Yeah, he, he definitely looks freaked out. Uh, Even though again, he looks pissed off. I got pissed. Well, yeah. Because that's yet another direwolf off, dude. So yeah. what, do you, what do you think about Small John Umber going going to the Boltons? And we, we have in the previews uh, the sigil of House Umber is marching with Ramsay's army later on. Yeah, yeah, I've heard all that. Like, it's a ruse. The Umber's not really... I don't know. He seems pretty legit. See, I, 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 I disagree. I think this has to be a ruse. How right. they've gone about it is odd. Uh, but number one, I, I like I really like the actor who was doing Small John. Yeah. Like, oh, your father was a cunt. I'm like, yeah. that that guy's awesome. Like, I, you know, like I want to like that guy. Just the way he says cunt. Cunt. Your father was he, a he cunt. He says it again, and he's like, oh, when you killed your father. So I'm like, okay, he has balls. He called your dad a cunt. And then when he tried to say it wasn't, he called called him a cunt again. No, not a cunt. And then he's, a cunt. he's like, I'm not going to swear you know, swear the oath. I'm not going to give you the words because your dad said the words and broke them, so they don't really mean anything. So, like, this, like, the character, how he's portraying the character, plus the, you know, him unwilling to say the words because even if the words are meaningless to the Boltons, they're not meaningless to everyone else in the North because God damn it, the North remembers. And so <laughs> small John Umber becoming a twat and handing me, and he, he was like, Oh John, you know, Lord commander, John snow, let the wildlings, you know, pass the wall. But wait a second, this has been like three years that he's lived with Asha and his house. He's a wildling. Surely his, perception has softened on the wildlings yeah, in the probably. three years that he's been saying with Asha and Rickon. I think I think if he is if it is a ruse, Umber and his people are the only ones in it. I don't think Rickon maybe Osha, but I don't think Rickon's in on it. I I you know what? I think that's actually the likeliest scenario. I think you're right. It's, I think it's uh, quite Rickon a has to risky route. Rickon has to be the one who sells it. There, even how Natalia Tenya, Tena's face is when when they take her her sack off her head. Like there's something going on there. Something something that we're not necessarily clued in on, but something more than meets the eye with what's going on. I think I think you might have hit the nail on the head that Rickon's not not in on it. Do you think Rickon and Osha are gonna get are the ones that are gonna get skinned and burned? No, that's the thing. Like, I don't think it's them. Right. Honestly, I think Ramsey accepts Small John's gesture, but what if it's Small John and Osha on on the cross too? You know, Osha's expendable. I mean, as much yeah. as I like the actress and the character, she doesn't have to survive. But he can't really kill Rickon yet. Why? He's going to try to, because of Sansa, he's going to try to lure Sansa back and Rickon's oh, okay, the bait. Okay. That's my guess. Because Sansa's how he, is how he's going to legitimize himself. Is he going to send, North. Is he, is he going to send Sansa Rickon's penis? Oh, Jesus Christ. Because that would be horrible. That would be that horrible. That would be absolutely, I, I don't want any part I of that. I don't want Rickon to get hurt. So that's why I was saying it's really, no. really risky. Turn no. him over to Ramsey. And but anyway, so like we have this hint that the people getting flayed and burned are are characters that we know. 
God damn it. If it's another Stark, I'm going to be pissed. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm going to stop watching the show because that's stupid. Uh, and I almost sort of expect the Starks to get shit upon repeatedly uh, well, again and again. The male and Starks frankly, don't do well around the time that their direwolves die. Well, that that's true, too. Although Sansa's direwolf died and well, she's I said, still male. alive and kicking. <laughs> Starts. Oh, well, you know, whatever. That leads me to my other thing. Uh, do you think Ramsey's too evil for his own good? Um, I think it's served him well. He's one of those people that believes it's better to be feared than respected. Definitely. Let them hate so long as they fear. I definitely think that's, the, that's his his uh, guiding principle in life. And plus, he just enjoys he's, it. He's, he's, you, yeah, he's I, a fucking he's, serial he's almost, killer with power. A lot of people have been complaining complaining about his mustache twirling, so to speak, uh, how dastardly he is, and like, oh, you had to kill the kid. Oh, of course you did. There were people like, from history like that, though. I know. It's like, do you? I guess these are people who are are largely ignorant of history, who are writing these. But we we live in a sophisticated time, Jeffrey. That our villains are supposed to be more sophisticated. Well. Not necessarily, especially not, necessarily. not one that has sort of a historical basis like this show does. Well, like I said, I can't remember what it's from, but there's a quote uh, from some movie. Uh, Anyone who ever got a statue built of him was one kind of a son of a bitch or another. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so like I, I think that as long as he's doing it for something other than to fulfill his psychopathic needs... Like, if, if he's, I mean, he killed his little brother because that was the, you know, a potential rival and heir. Okay. He filled, he killed Fat Walda for being the mother of his potential rival and era, heir. He killed his father because, well, that was the guy who was currently giving him orders and that made more sense to take him out of the picture. By all accounts, Ramsey seems like a smart dude. He apparently is a, a very able-bodied general on the battlefield. I, I don't think he's, quite i mean has he crossed the line absolutely because he's fucking evil but is, is it too much not yet not my opinion no it's historically accurate in my opinion all right so this goes back to what we talked about in our last podcast with uh bastard bowl uh we have john snow who who probably dropped the mic and this is fixing to leave castle black uh, the last p- podcast, we also referred to Sansa and Davos likely being together on Bear Isle. And, uh, you know, he's they're petitioning the Mormonts for help. And we know the Mormonts are loyal because they sent Ramsay a, f- a fine fuck off with, we only know one king of the north and that their name is Stark. Oh, if yeah. If you recall that last season as well. That's where we get the Bastard Bowl thing. Jon Snow's going to, you know, is he going to rally other troops uh, along with, you know, Davos and Sansa and anybody else who's going to listen to go fight what we think to be the Karstarks, the Umbers, and of course the the Bannermen of the the Boltons. So is, we're, we're is, that, up? is that going to be the hard home of this season? I would say yes. We're at episode three right now. We have usually they do that what the eighth or ninth episode, so Something we have like another that, yeah. five six to go. Uh, I think yes. I think the uh, the battle for Winterfell is going to be that climactic episode where there's lots of ass kicking. Well, will, will Sansa be be declared queen of the North? And this is something else that I didn't mention when we talked about Bran last time, is that when the three-eyed raven t- 
told him that he's going to be leaving the cave. Do you, th- let me let me throw this out there and see what you think. I think Bran, is, Bran and Mira are going to go find Howland Reed to sort of corroborate the Tower of Joy story, R plus L equals J. And I think they're going to try to find John and set him on his path to his greater destiny. So that's how they're going to see what happened in the tower is by going to talk to Howland Reed. Yes. Instead of through a werewolf. Well, thing. well, no, I think that, that they will, but I think that Howland Reed is indispensable to corroborating the evidence. Uh, all right. That sounds interesting. I'd like to see that. Well, I mean, I'm saying we, 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 we've, it's been indicated that Bran leaves. Yeah, yeah. That he's going to be leaving once he learns everything he's supposed to learn. So where is he going to go? What what purpose what purpose does he have other than to, you know, this goes back to I don't I don't want to get too like Joseph Campbell. You know, th- this is part of the hero's journey, and uh, we're definitely led to believe that, that Jon Snow is one of those heroes and of the story, and we need this sort of divine. We're already starting to get it. But this divine, uh, you know, indication of his destiny, and Bran could very well be the instrument of that divine destiny. Well, and also you have kind of a standard trope where the evil wizard meets the good wizard, so he could be heading True. north. He could be heading north. Ooh, now <laughs> with Hodor to the land of, <laughs> with, the land of always winter. Right. Uh, mush Hodor, mush. Well, it could be you know just to you know talk. Like they could set up a talk with the the whoever's in charge of the others. Yeah, like a Very truce well could talk, be. and then then you know where there's you know we're just gonna talk, nothing bad's gonna happen, and then we leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Well, th- that's gonna go ahead, and let's go ahead and talk about the John part now, since we we're, we've we've segued fairly well into that. Uh, all right, guy, John Snow murdered at the end of season five in front of a cross. Mark Trader, he's got he's got the hair for it. He's got the body for it. Is Jon Snow Jesus? Well, you, like you you have the resurrection of Jesus Snow, and I put and it didn't even take Rolor the three days to get the job done. Ooh, that's a scathing <laughs> indictment, sir. Scathing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, of course he comes back and Mel- Davos is very concerned about Jon. Like I love like Davos is quickly emerged to be one of my absolute like unshakable favorites in He's this a nice show. Guy. As far as minor character as far as minor characters go, Davos fucking kicks ass. Like I want, you know, if there's not a Sir Arthur Dane prequel, then I want like a De- a Davos and Brienne buddy comedy, okay? Well, they just should just do the the Dance of Dragons prequel. Well, that's a conversation for another for another day. With, with uh, the fight in the, you know, between the different dragons and the brother and sister. The, the different uh, bastards of the Targaryens that pre, you know, predates uh, Every- our current story by about 100 years or so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what, what we're saying here is that uh, Jon Snow is killed. He His body is placed in a room with some of his homeboys, including Dolores Ed and Davos, to sort of watch over him. Uh, Ed's like, we're fucking dying today. The question is, can we take some of those fuckers out with us? And he's like, well, we'll go get the... Davos is like, well, go get the wildlings. And in the meantime, we can talk to the... I'll talk to the Red Woman and see what she can do. And they're like, what the fuck is she going to do? And he's like... She does some shit, man. She does some shit. I've seen some shit. Uh, Ed <laughs> I didn't leaves. see the crotch monster. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm scarred for life. <laughs> yeah, so Ed leaves, uh, presumably to get the wildlings. Of course, we know that when, you know, uh, Sir Alistair Thorne is beating down the door, he's like, okay, you guys just need to come out. We'll let you go. We'll set you on your way. I love that that little dialogue with Thabos. He's like, oh, can you send me with some food? I'm not a good hunter. I mean, like, he's just totally playing them. And Alistair probably just doesn't know any better. Of course, they, like, they know that they're going to kill him as soon as they walk out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're just stalling for time, stalling for time until Ed gets there. And then uh, later on that evening. So we're, we're led to believe this is all transpiring over, I'm guessing, from what I've seen on screen, it's about a 24-hour period. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. So on screen, uh, yeah, they, they are beating down the door, breaking the, the door, and then all of a sudden, fucking 1-1. Love one one, love one one in the books. And have they mentioned Uh, his name in the series? Yes, yes. Uh, Hard home. Tormund calls for one one. He's like one one to the sea, and of course uh, he says one one again. I think in that that episode, Tormund yeah rescues everybody. And you think that there's going to be like a throwdown between the wildlings and the and the Night's Watch who remain, and most of them just they throw down their their crossbows and swords. They're like, "No, nah, we're dead." And, we're and why? And why? Because someone fucks up and shoots one one with a crossbow in the shoulder. Somebody, and some he, dumbass. Yeah. And he grabs him by the feet and smashes his head up against the wall. Yep. Just yep. like there, done. Uh, Who's next? Done. And I was like, "Yep, I'm not next." I put down my sword. One one, don't put up with no shit from nobody. And of course, <laughs> uh, we get Davos and Melisandre and uh, Tormund inside that room trying to resurrect John. And we, it happens. And we also get to learn about how Melisandre is much, much older than indicated. Although yeah. we've had those hints before, we just didn't know that there was a, phys- a physical aspect to it. Jon Snow's uh, he's alive, and she's very much concerned with what he saw, and he's like, nothing. It's nothing. just space, man, and dying sucks. And then I tried to, you know, I tried to do the right thing, and I was murdered for it. And he's got this new lease on life, and he's coming out like he seems very much like himself. Although he's got a, an attitude to boot, I, I think he is going to very much. Carpe diem. How about that? Do you think those wounds will ever heal? That's the question. You know, that's something that we're not really ever sure of. Like, did Beric Dondarrion ever heal from his wounds? Well, he said every time he came back, he was a little bit less. Right, right. In terms of, of mental f- faculties, yeah. But did his wounds heal? Is he a zombie? Is that what he is? I mean, will Jon Snow ever heal? Will he ever? I mean, he, oh, he, here's what I think. He's breathing. That's one. Th- I mean, if he were just some zombie, he wouldn't breathe. Um, I think that when Melisandre was performing her thing, I think she was sort of healing him, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. even if it's not explicitly referenced. Uh, and I, I think you know his his pallor is fine. He he looks like he's alive. Uh, I think everything for the most part, besides his newfound mic dropping attitude is all good to go yeah what'd you think about his what well i'll i was gonna tell you um i i prepared a little statement (laughs) oh 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 yes is this an open is is this an open letter to melisandre uh this is an open letter to everyone beseeching beseeching to see her boobs yet again (laughs) 
<laughs> but not without the necklace on. Please. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> necklace on only. Um, I think John has finally realized the flaw with oaths. Um, because of his oath, he was made to sit idly by as his family was killed one by one. Then he, made, then he made a tough call about the wildlings in order to do his duty of protecting the realm from the others. Yep. Then in order duty to do, bound. Then in order to do what they thought was right, some of his fellow black brothers broke their vows and killed him. Uh-huh. John realizes that a vow can make you do good well, things or bad things. Uh, according, yeah, according to what Alistair was saying is like, I thought I was doing my Like, that's the thing your blind devotion to duty and oath like that i guess that's what you're saying yeah. is what fucked things up and so yes. i don't i don't see john becoming uh machiavellian like little finger uh however i think he's definitely ready to change some things and fight for those he loved who those who remain because he's seen everyone that he loved from his life basically killed the yeah. only ones that are left are Sansa, whom he never actually got along with. If you even look at the first season, yeah. like they weren't, they didn't really communicate very much. Arya, who knows where she is? I mean, hopefully Sansa will fill John in that she's alive and well somewhere, even though if they don't, she don't know where she's at, uh, and that's going to fur- further spur him on. And if he meets up with Bran at some point, and is sort of offered the fulfillment of his destiny i mean how much further is that going to take him yeah well let me finish my statement i i was getting good yes go i'm sorry Uh, sorry that's okay let me finish let me finish okay i'm finished no uh john realizes that a vow can make you do good things or bad things or through vow enforced inaction allow bad things to happen to good people John realizes that from his father doing his duty by going to King's Landing and getting beheaded for it, his brother getting killed um, similarly to in a similar way that he got killed himself by people who had sworn to an oath to his brother at the Red Wedding, uh, to his own, like I said, and also to his own shanking by people who had sworn an oath to obey his commands, that to evil people, a vow's only as good as long as it's useful, and that vows can be traps that force only the good down paths that are better left untrodden. Um, doing the right thing, regardless of vows, is the most important thing, and John will no longer be subject to such shackles. Um, well said, sir. Bravo. Thank you. All right. A- any parting words for where we see John's story going? Um. He's going to try to save what's left of his family. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to um, try and um, reunite the North. Ooh, okay. Um, but, you know, you were saying uh, Sansa will be crowned. Maybe. Queen of the North. That's, Maybe. That's what we would think from our point of view. But remember, these are, you know, old point of view sexist guys. It may be Rickon. If he's alive. <laughs> if he's alive. By that point. Right, right, right. If he's not flayed and burning on that cross. I can see the oh little lady, that's nice. You thought we were gonna give the crown to you. Nope, little brother. There you go. <laughs> Whoops. Anyway. All, all right. Um I I I <laughs> true. Uh I guess that's gonna wrap us up, man. Uh this has been Cast from Culturally Rock Episode five. This is Boochacha. 
And this is Jeff. And we're out. Later. Trolls and your soldier elves And your ants and your orcs and your wargs And your stings and dwarves and clam drains Cause there's a new leader every lord in the ring My readers fall in love with every character I've written And I kill them And they're like, who are you doing? All your bad guys die and your good guys survive We can tell what's gonna happen a page in age five Tell your all seeing how to find some sex in your movie yeah. Ditch the goonie and cast a couple boobies There's engineer plots and not David the gnome Your hobbit hole heroes can't handle my Dragons, dwarves, horses, fortresses, magic, and souls. You are bit by whole shit, you uninspired hack. You want a war, George? Welcome to Shire Rock. In book sales, you got nothing to say. I'm number one and two. You're under 50 shades of gray. I got the pros of a pro. Your shit's up, Paul. You're a pirate. You even stole my arm. Full of chance and anarchy. So, yes, it's true to life for characters that die randomly. A newsflash. The genre's called fantasy. It's meant to be unrealistic. You myopic vanity. I conscientiously object to what you're doing on these beasts. I'll cut you like my teeth on Beauty and the Beast. You went too deep, Professor Tweed Pants. We don't need the backstory on every fucking tree branch. I cut my teeth in the trenches of the song. You lopped your Santa Claus ass through Vietnam. Man, it's hard for me to take criticism on clothes. From a dude who says a raven to say hi to a child. You fat joke. Are worse than your pipe smoke. My show's the hottest thing on HBO. I'm rock and roll, you're a nerdy little lavish, and I may be dirty, but you got a hairy foot fetish, dog. Even the names of your characters suck. You got buffers and bofers and brand new bucks. I got a second breakfast for all them goofy fucks. Lift up my gut and teabagging's my nuts. C.S. Lewis and I were just discussing how you and Jon Snow both know nothing. Because the backstory on my box office is brilliant. Got my children making millions off my silver brilliance, and I'm more. Rock and roll than you ever been. Don't believe me?